Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. All right. You know, since, since we're in the kid mode, how many of you kids uh, help decorate your house for Christmas? Raise your hand. All right. All right. That's cool. I, I lived in the same house all my life until I married Debbie, and then they made me move out. But I, had, I was there all the time, and the house that I lived in, we had great traditions for Christmas. And I remember being a kid, and one of my favorite traditions in Christmas was putting the nativity scene together. That was my deal, right? And, you know, you, I'm a little kid, I'm kind of imagining it. We had a very small nativity scene. And I remember, you know, uh, I was raised in, a, in church, and so... I remember decorating it, and you know, you always, I always waited, waited to unwrap Jesus in the last one, right? And I get ready to put him in. I remember thinking to myself, this is God. Kind of confusing, <laughs> like, oh, I, this, I, I, I heard that this was God in the flesh, and I, you know, and I, as a kid, I just kind of took that in, and uh, I, what was really weird is I'm putting God in a barn, I had, a, I had an uncle and, and also had a grandparents that lived on a farm, and I remember what a barn smelled like, and I thought, huh, I guess this is okay. And because often we realize that the thing about Jesus, what we've been talking about in this last series we've been talking about, and this is the last of our uh, Expecting the King series, we've been talking about this place of how Jesus is so unexpected to what we are, we have expectations, and he's different than that. And how that affects you. You know, uh, as we led up to Christmas, we just we start realizing there's so many different things about how they thought of Jesus coming as the king. They've been waiting for this king. They had prophecies, 700 years, very descriptive prophecies, even describing him, but they still had a lens they were looking for when they thought of a king, and they thought of King David, and they thought, well, this king is going to come, and he's going to come in a big way, but he didn't. He came in a barn, yeah, and then he's you know, wrapped in rags, and well, it's, it's going to get better. He's going to, he's going to really take control and, and get some power, and he just walked around. He's going to have a palace and a temple. No, he actually didn't really have a house after he was in his ministry, and he, and he uh, walked everywhere, and he never rode a white horse, the best he had with a donkey that was borrowed, you know? So you can just look at over and over, we start seeing how Jesus was really unexpected in the way he did things. And the way he, he ruled, they expected political and military rule from the outside in, and yet he ruled from people's hearts that yielded to him. And as we look at this, we start realizing that, yeah, he was a person that was different towards his citizens of the kingdom. Everybody could enter, just like a child. And as they entered the relationship, he didn't stay away from them. He got really near to them. He was a God who was even described as a, it would be like a marriage or like a friend or like a child or like a shepherd and sheep. You know, Emmanuel, we just sang, God with us. That's what it means. He came close. And uh, what we found is when you have expectations of something and it goes a different way, you can miss what's right in front of you. You know what I mean? Even the religious leaders, they all missed Jesus because they were expecting a different Jesus than who he was. Even the disciples struggled a long time trying to grasp, wait a minute, who is this Jesus? And this is not what we were expecting. 
And what I want you to say is, everybody in this room, it's the same today. All of us have particular expectations and beliefs about Jesus. And some are right, but some aren't. And, you know, I've found that if you, I think Jesus is relatively popular still. Christians aren't so much anymore. But, but uh, the church isn't so much anymore. But, but Jesus, like, he's just all right. I mean, he's just, you know, that's only for old people. Uh, and the reality of it is, is we have, if you ask anybody about Jesus, typically you might have some people say, eh, strange deal, I don't want anything to do with him. But most of the time, like, oh, yeah, I like Jesus, right? They have ideas about Jesus, like, no, he's, he's, uh, he's somebody that I'm, I really model my life out of. What a great prophet, a spiritual leader. But even you have some people that you'll talk to and they'll say, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus. What do you believe? The Christmas story is true, yes. Do you believe that Jesus actually came and lived and died and rose? Yeah, yeah, I believe all that. And you can actually have people who are explaining that they, what they believe and all the expectation of what they believe Jesus is and who he is, and they still miss him. Do you know that you can do that? I've had, a, I've had a period of my life where if you would have asked me, what do you think about Jesus? Because everybody has an opinion about Jesus. I would have said, oh yeah, and I would give you exactly the correct story. Well, this is what he is. The thing is, though, my life was not connected to Jesus. I all, had all the information, but I actually didn't know him. And so, you know, uh, one of the expectations I had even as a... So a lot of things that we believe, we realize those expectations aren't right. One that even as a child I had, that I've, has held with me and is still, I believe, is absolutely correct. You can imagine me putting that little Jesus, I thought it was God, in the, and I thought, I did remember thinking these kind of things. If, you, if Jesus is someone who he says he is, and he wants to be near us, and then they tell me he can actually dwell in us, whatever that meant. As a kid, I thought, if that could happen, what I know would happen would be that person would become better, right? I, and I still theologically say that's a really good analogy for a small child, right? We could be better. As I think about that, you know, uh, this is really talking a lot about, like, we could be better, like, we could actually do less evil things and overcome evil with the stuff of God. That's what I was thinking about when I talked about being low. We could actually beat bad things. We could beat evil. You know, uh, one of the songs that comes through my mind during Christmas a lot, when we sing it, or just say it, sing it, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay. So that's as good as they get. So, but I sing it when I'm having a good time around Christmas. It is. It has these moments, right? But I also sing it in sarcasm, right? It's my therapy, right? When my car doesn't start at zero, you know, and I, or when my, I'm throwing up, or when kids are fighting, or there's family issues, or I'm having a meltdown, or someone else is having a meltdown, and I can't stand the shopping's crazy, I say, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Because we understand that it can be, but also it can be the most emotional time of the year, can it? I mean, sometimes it can be the saddest time of the year. You know, have you, have you found yourself in places that, ooh, I've got to come back, I'm starting to reminisce, and I'm starting to get sad. Because I think what happens, 
at Christmas, there is this thing that we begin thinking is, what is right and what is wrong? I think that, it was all a commercialism, I think that's still there. And, um, but one thing I would say in that is, the thing that I love about Christmas that is still there, in spite of all the other crazy stuff around Christmas that I may not love too much, is this place of having people who are trying to make it wonderful for another person, right? There's this moment in Christmas. Have you noticed this, that in Christmas, your feed starts getting filled up with nicer stories? You guys ever had read that, done that to Steve Hartman, Kindness 101? Look it up sometime, not now. Uh, it is better than my teaching, so you, we should look it up later. But it's really Steve Hartman talking with his kids about what kindness is. And they, tell, they show real stories of place, people who did these sacrificial things and these loving things. And I mean, I, I watch these things and I just choke up. I just, it just, you know that feeling when you watch something that's so much love and it, it, it's something that these aren't doing it to be, get attention, but they're doing it out of their heart and it just gets to you. It's, it goes to some place in you. Another uh, Christmas memory I have is kind of strange is I can't quite remember all the details, so I'm making part of this up, but it's generally this, right? I, I tried to figure out exactly when this was, but I think it was, on, it was on a Christmas Eve, and I went to the gas station to get some milk or gas or something. I think milk, I'm going to get some milk. And so I get there, and it, the line's just, you know, everybody's, everybody's trying to get out as quick as they can. It's this long line. And there's this teenager behind the counter trying to keep up. And I remember standing there and watching people in line be so kind to this teenager. I mean, just caring for him, tipping him, just, just being kind. And the next person would do it again. And, then, and as, as I watched that, I mean, it literally just, I thought, this is so right. This is so good. And as I think about, you know, those places, is the, the, why did... Why did this video from Steve Hartman, and why did these moments like this, and even times that I've had myself, have you had this time where all of a sudden you do something surprisingly without some other motive, that you actually love somebody and how good it feels, right? You know, why does it feel that way? Why is it like, I know this is right, kind of in my knower. And here's what, I, here's what I believe honestly, you don't have to agree with me, but I am right. Uh, uh, <laughs> what's happening here I believe what's happening is God's spirit is working in you I believe he's showing you a taste of who you should be I honestly believe that it's a taste of what it is and what your purpose here on earth is and so you know our world tells us all the time about how to be winners. There's books on how to be winners, how to, how to conquer, how to have a successful life, how to have a victorious life. If you look at them, there's a general theme. Be a little bit better than someone else or a lot better than someone else. Be a little bit smarter, be a little better looking, be a little richer, have a little more power, be a little more popular, but when we go to this deeper level and thinking about that message of this is what success is, that is what victory in life is, is to, to have these things and to do these things, we, it doesn't take long if we're really honest and just go down a little bit deeper to say that can't be 
what winning in life is. That can't be our measure of success. And we go a little bit further because we realize because it doesn't give those things that it promises. But I honestly think the measure of success is something about this place of more like seeing everybody like you did at the gas, that those people did at the gas station. That's close, that's getting closer to actually giving and doing things, not to be seen by someone, but out of a place of your heart. That is, there's something in that. It's like, this is what we're made for. This is the victorious life. And I, I just don't know if you guys are with me on this one, but this last year since COVID and beyond, it's just been a ride. You guys agree with me on that, many of you? Like, I mean, it's just been a ride. It's been an emotional ride. It's been, it's almost like lights have been turned on and we see the depths of evil and hatred and we, we see how vulnerable we are. You guys feel this sometimes? Like, I'm, I'm just not feeling real safe all the time anymore. I used to feel like it's all fine and wars are breaking out and maybe we'll have another pandemic and global warming and this and there's a nuclear bomb that might go off. I don't know. It's, it's just, it feels like a bit much for me, right? It's the most wonderful time. Right, so, but how do you live in that? How do you live in a place that you can actually flourish in this world? How do you find security? What has to take place for that to happen? And what we have a tendency of doing when we get rattled and shaken up and we begin seeing even injustice and situations and, and, and all around us, we, we, we want to fix it. And what we do to fix it is we raise ourselves up and we often get to a point of kind of picking out, oh, this is the problem. These people need to do this. Need to, you got, have you heard this from people? And have you had that process in yourself a lot? But that's not, when we look at Jesus, how he defines victory is really different than that. This is one of the most unexpected things about Jesus when they thought of a victorious king. They thought, he's going to come and take care of Rome, Right? get them off our back, justice, with justice and all that. But somehow they thought, we have to take them out to get what we want. Right? That, they, that's the way a kingdom works. We have to raise ourselves up, and he has to take charge and push away the other people that are doing differently. And Jesus didn't do that. And how he became victorious was so crazy they had a hard time taking it in. In Philippians 2, 3 through 11, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Now, understand, when Jesus came, he came to do some things, Right? that provided us a place of access to God, lots of things that he did, but what he did, he did it in a human form. And why he did that was because he wanted also to show us how we're supposed to live as humans. And so this verse is saying, here's what Jesus did for victory. And by the way, we want you to have the same attitude as Jesus. 
And it goes on to say, he says, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of his servers and being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And then, this is, he became king. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, victory. And he gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's how Jesus found victory. Here's how he won in life. He humbled himself. He didn't even grasp his own divinity. He didn't grasp and control. What he did was, though, he yielded himself fully to God the Father. He made himself a servant. And how that meant is he put other people's interests above his own. And he laid down his life so we could have life. And he accomplished his purpose. And he brought victory over evil and death. And that's how he did it, by laying his life down. Now, the invitation I want to give you tonight is this. On the invitation is, Jesus is always saying this phrase through his ministry. And the phrase is, come to me. Come to me. Jesus is alive, and he's still saying that phrase to everybody in this room. Come to me. When he says to come to me, it's for lots of things. Come to me, all you weary and heavy burdened, and I will take the loads off of you and give you rest. Come to me because you need security, and if you come to me, I'll never turn you away. Come to me. And what he said at one time, he, he announced, he says, if you come to me, you'll live. Another time, he, he announced before everybody, he says, that anyone who is thirsty... He's not speaking of drinking water or tea. He's thinking about our inner lives of hunger and thirst. If anybody is thirsty, come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. They will end up receiving, and God will end up coming through them. Now, There's this term they use in the scripture. It's, it's this place of, it's an invitation, and it's, it uses different words. It's that feeling of when you have someone say, asking you, will you come to me? And you have to make that decision because some people, it said he longed to care for them, but they refused to come to him. It wasn't talking physically. It's the place of the inside. They wouldn't yield themselves. They wouldn't humble themselves and yield themselves to God. And so there's this place of, it's, it's, it's this place of, even God initiates this. So maybe as I've been talking, you felt some things stirring, right? About what maybe I, what I want my life to be, and how do I get to a place to be able to have a life that's more focused on the things that really matter, and how does it, how do I do it? And it, it may be a spot that you feel just this place of, you just need help. So what I want to do tonight this is a little weird, but it won't be too weird, all right? 
I just want to tell you what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to let you respond to this. I'm going to have a little bit of time that we're going to be quiet. And then I and feel no pressure to stand if you don't want to. I don't feel any pressure whatsoever. That's not it. But I want you to ask God, you know, if he's inviting you to come and yield yourself to him. And you, you could have known Jesus in a personal way for a long time, or maybe this is the very first time, and you've never, ever quite got to a place that says, you've, come, you've humbled yourself and you've come to God and said, I need you. You come to Jesus, I need you, right? It can be anybody in the spectrum, maybe because of many different reasons. But here's the thing is, we often think we need to figure out how to get out of the situations, and we think God's going to tell us something, but really we need Him. That's where it starts. You know? And this is how you find victory in these things in your life that are tormenting, and that are difficult. So I'm going to be quiet for just a little bit. I'm going to pray, and here's what I'm going to do. And I'll, I don't like any pastors that do weird stuff and manipulate anybody. So here's what you think. I'm going to pray, and if you, just as a, as a place of uh, uh, stirring and saying, yes, I want to just tonight. I mean, the best gift, as I said, you can give is giving yourself to Jesus. It's, it's like the best gift. Here's why. It brings life to the person around you. It brings life to you, and it brings joy to God. It's the best gift. That's what he longs for us to do. In any situation, 